McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I just got off a Zoom call with, uh, actually, it was kind of nice. It was mostly just all the local reporters, um, you know, me, obviously, Adam Munster Tiger, Justin Guerrero from Rivals, uh, Brian Howell, uh, Chase Howell was on there for a minute, um, but yeah, it was kind of like the crew just got back to talk to all these assistant coaches, and it was it was a lot of fun. I miss uh, my job, but um, it was also great talking to coaches. So first, we heard from uh, Darren Cheverini, who is the new offensive coordinator. Got to talk to him about uh, play calling and what's going on there, and what he's learned, what he's going to change. Um, and then some personnel stuff that I thought was kind of interesting as well. Uh, from there, we went to Taylor Embry, the Buffs' new tight ends coach. His dad is one of the best tight ends coach of all times. His dad was also a Buff. Um, his dad was also the Buffs' head coach just a few years ago, and you guys probably all remember that. Um, and, you know, I really liked him. It's tough not to like the hire because he is seen as such like a bright, up-and-coming coach, and he's young and he just spent three seasons working with George Kittle, and he talked a lot about that, uh, which was kind of nice, kind of like what made that offense click, and he wants to run the ball. Uh, he gave us kind of almost scouting reports on some of the guys, what he thinks of Caleb Foria, for example. Um, after that, we jumped in with Mitch Rodrig, who uh, we honestly didn't know all that much about. Um you know, he got asked, you know, what's what have you been up to these last couple of years since you stopped coaching football? And he said, well, I've been kind of looking for a way back in, but it had to be the right situation. And he said he's always wanted to be coaching power five football. He had this opportunity. Uh, he knew the coaches. He told a great story about how he wound up on this staff, um, which we'll talk about. I'm going to go through each of these guys individually. The call was like an hour, and I don't want to make this too long because I mean, again, I just recommend that you listen to what they have to say, and I'll give my analysis of some of the things I picked up on beforehand. Um, but yeah, I mean, another just great conversation. Um, again, he was a total unknown. Uh, but uh, yeah, he uh, he was after Taylor, and then um, the final coach we talked to, the final new offensive assistant coach, was Danny Langsdorf who is now the Buffs quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator. And I thought, does he have one more title? Oh, I think, oh, it says, a, no, no, no. Those are his only titles. There we go. Um, so yeah, it, it was good talking to him as well. Um, he talked about 
what is kind of different about this quarterback competition without having spring ball um, and some other things I thought were interesting. And so we're just going to go through those conversations in order um, after I tell you more about Manscaped. Manscaped is an incredible company because they do so many things for men like me and maybe you. And even if you aren't a man, Father's Day is coming up. So hook your dad up with a Manscaped package because, I mean, you know he's not taking care of himself. Uh, whether it's stuff like the ball deodorant, which, again, just is unbeatable, or the Lawnmower 3.0, the greatest trimmer I've ever owned. Uh, Manscaped just makes incredible products. So take advantage of that. Use the code DNVR, uh, no, DNVR20 for 20% off your purchase from Manscaped. You can go to manscaped.com. Plus, that gets you free shipping. Uh, really cannot beat it, um, and I cannot recommend them enough. Okay, um, these coaches, again, I, it's just, you know, I, I spend all day here, like, doing whatever I have to do for work with football games playing, and just the chance to hear people who spend their time similarly, you know, whether they're, I mean, they might not just be watching football, but they're thinking about it, they're taking notes, they're talking about it. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It, I've been missing my football fix. Like hearing smart people talk about football in smart ways is my favorite thing in the world, uh, which means that an hour of that, I don't know, it, I, I needed it. Um, let's start with Chev though. Uh, so he, uh, I was most interested with Chev in the play calling and it, a couple of the other reporters were as well. So there were some good questions there, I thought. Um, and, you know, he, he did say that he does need to improve, um, that he can go back and kind of look for, for those of you who don't remember, he was also the play caller for in 2018. That was Visca's breakout year. And, you know, there have been some criticisms. I think there are a lot of people out there who don't, um, didn't like how he was calling games. And, you know, the first thing I'd say right now is that that was his first time ca uh, calling offensive plays for an offense. So, of course, there are going to be hitches along the way, and he made some some good points. You know, he wasn't, like, defensive about it or anything like that. Um, but, you know, he, he did say, you know, our, our offense was great because we built it around Visca, and for those first six games, we were on fire. And then Visca got hurt, and the offense kind of fell apart. And, you know, can you fault him for building an offense around LaVisca Chenault? No, because, as he said, you know, that was a top-10 player in college football at that point in the season. Um, from then on, you know, th there was the reliance on the screens a little bit more than I would like. Um, for me personally, I, I wouldn't spend a lot of time in all those spread packages, the 10 personnel. Um, but, and, and he, he wanted to change that narrative as well. Um, and, and he, he did say, you know, it, we weren't all 10, we had tight ends out there. We were playing some, some other styles of football as well. Um, and he said that this has been kind of a mix of ideas from him and from Carl Durrell. One really important note that he mentioned is that the terminology is not changing. And that was kind of one of my big questions, knowing how Carl ran his offense, you know, going back and watching those UCLA games. He, he was also an offensive coordinator in 2014. Things didn't really go well. And I'm just not paying attention to that tape. Uh, I mean, you got to look at it and we'll dig in over the summer, but I think you see a lot about Carl's identity in the few years that he was a head coach at UCLA. 
Um, and, and in those years, it was a lot of heavy personnel. You know, the, his best players on offense were Maurice Jones-Drew and Mercedes Lewis. There were a lot of tight ends. There were fullbacks. They were playing power football, and they were having success. And to hear him talk about that, um, and, you know, I, I, I asked Chev uh, about that. You know, what's it like calling plays in one scheme and then now calling plays in a different scheme? Because that's not a storyline we hear about all that much. You know, you, you hear about the quarterbacks having to run a different scheme. Or like, what does this mean for the running backs? Or like, does the blocking change? But you don't hear all that much about what it means for the person who's calling the plays. You know, if, if your identity is now establishing the running game, that's a totally different process that you're thinking through uh, as a play caller because... I mean, obviously, you, you you just want to instill that that is your identity and those scripted plays at the beginning are different. Um, how you think about what you're trying to set up throughout the game in that chess match is totally different. Um, but he's, he, he did say there, he made it sound like things won't be all that different, although there will be a blend. He did say that. You can listen for his words for yourself. Um, but, you know, he, he said, you can't run 12 personnel uh, if, if you don't have the personnel for it. If you don't have players who can do the jobs that you need them to be able to do, you know, you can't throw a fullback out there if you just don't have a fullback and they're taking a receiver off of the field to put that fullback there, to put a tight end there. Um, And right now that means you're probably keeping KD on the field as your number one. You're probably taking off Dimitri Stanley, Daniel Arias, uh, maybe let's see, Vontae Chenault, um, Maurice Bell, right in that conversation. And you're throwing on, if you look at that depth chart, Luke Stilwell, Matt Lynch, who until we go through fall camp, those coaches really won't know what they have there with those other tight ends. You know you have Brady Russell, and we'll talk about Taylor Embry in a minute, but but Taylor had just glowing things to say about Brady, as we would expect, um, because he is that style of football player that you can use in different ways, which is so important. Um but getting back to this point, maybe uh, we as the media, or even me personally, were kind of digging too deeply into what Carl Durrell did and expecting more of Carl's offense than Chev's offense. Um, you know, Chev came from the spread offense, the air raid at Texas Tech. Um, that's where he was coaching before he came to Colorado. Um, and, and this will be an interesting blend and it, it kind of makes sense. You know, at the, at the time I, I wasn't, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was like high on Chev as offensive coordinator and I wouldn't say that I was really a low on it either, especially, especially given where they were in mid February trying to fill that job. You just don't have all that many options. And I guess if you factor that in, then you call the hiring, what, uh, a B B plus you know, maybe even bump it up to an A minus, given that you happen to have somebody who had been an offensive coordinator before on staff who you could give the promotion to, um, who has play calling experience and is also still very young. You know, there there is a bright future there. He's he's somebody who you could see growing into um, being in a, a very good offensive coordinator, getting a head coaching job even at Colorado, or even if it isn't at Colorado, you know, building that brand that Carl Durrell almost has as um, a, 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 I don't even know, like a mentor of young coaches. He, he just has that coaching tree that you can tell means quite a bit to him um, be, because 
I mean, honestly, because of the way the other coaches talk about him who have coached with him, um, saying, you know, he's about the players first, he's about his coaches, uh, he, he wants them to succeed as people and is trying to help their career advance, and that's just one more notch in the belt for Carl Durrell if Chev does it. So, I mean, I guess that was way too long to be talking about grading Chev's hiring. Now that's three months ago, four months ago. But uh, I did like what he had to say about melding the offenses together. Um, and honestly, now I'm just kind of excited to see it. I think that there will be quite a few receivers out there. Um, I think that, I mean, ideally you get some more tight ends um, or, or the tight ends you have impress you in camp. I think that's really what it is at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chev admitted, you said we're still recruiting the tight end position. Um, I think those are probably the biggest takeaways there. Um, yeah, let, let's just move on to Taylor Embry, who was second. Um, he, I, I, I like him, you know, I, I don't think, I think a lot of people like him because he has a likable personality because he's young um, because he just spent what three seasons with the 49ers. I think it was three. Yeah. And then the season before that he was with the chiefs, you know, while he's with the 49ers, he's working with his father, one of the greatest head coaches of all time. He's working with Kyle Shanahan, um, who he knows well. Um, and he's working closely with George Kittle. Um, best case scenario, he's teaching George Kittle, all the things that he taught him, you know, George Kittle, now the number one tight end in the league. I don't even like I would listen to an argument for maybe like Travis Kelsey, but eh, I don't know if I take it seriously. Uh, just the combination of the blocking and the receiving, you know, you, you just trust him, I guess. And, and what Taylor had to say was that, you know, first of all, Brady Russell can be special. Brady Russell has everything you look for in a football player and the way that he approaches the game. You know, I've told you before that I've talked to Brady and Brady said, I actually kind of like blocking more than I like catching the ball. That's what a tight ends coach wants to hear. Because when you're looking at the big splashy tight ends, they're all the receiving guys. You're not looking at I don't even know. I mean, who are you even naming? Like Mercedes Lewis, I guess we could go back to as a blocking tight end uh, who's in Carl Durrell's system. But for the most part, you're looking at the guys, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, um, who's purely a, a, a route runner. Um, those are the guys that young tight ends want to be. Those are who they idolize. You know, when when you're looking at the NBA, who are basketball players looking up to, they're looking up to Allen Iverson more than they're looking up to uh, Steve Nash, maybe? Just a good passer, John Stockton. Um, you know, that's just the way the brain is wired. That's, that's how you do it flashy. But to have somebody on the roster who wants to do the ugly parts, you know, you can coach them up to do the other parts. Um, yeah. Uh, he, he said he is interested in seeing what exactly he has and the guys that they've brought in. Um, Luke Stillwell, he's really excited about, um, he mentioned the other younger tight ends, uh, you know, Foria being one of them, the son of Christian Foria. But, yeah, I mean, th there weren't too many takeaways. He did credit 
I mean, he, he did really want to give credit to his dad, give credit to Kyle Shanahan um, for what they've taught him over the last few years. And he said that that's really going to shape his career and shape how he's looking at coaching. Um, there were some other comments, uh, you know, talking about recruiting. He said, you know, he's talking to his dad and hearing from his dad, you know, I kind of got tired of the recruiting aspect. It's nice not to recruit anymore. Now he's right in the middle of it. He says, you know, his dad's helping. There's a lot of things that you can learn, obviously, from all these coaches that he's been in contact with. But I mean, he did throw in there, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to be in love with recruiting. I'm not sure that's something that I will be doing my entire career. Um, but I don't think we have to worry about losing him to the NFL, at least in the immediate future. Um, although down the road, you know, this is the type of coach that you expect to go on to do big things. Um, it's good hearing from him. Um, I think that that was a lot of it. I don't... I'm trying to think, were there any specific Kittle details I should throw out there? But I don't think so. Um, moving along, the next one was Mitch Rodrigue, who I uh, I just loved. Um, again, a total unknown, and we're gonna talk to or talk about him after I tell you about Breckenridge Brewery, the best beers that you can find anywhere. They're made locally. You're supporting local businesses. I. Uh, I mean, you've heard it all before. It's really good beer. Father's Day is coming up again. Which dad doesn't want a whole bunch of Breckenridge beers? There you go. Solved it. Um, also want to say that if you use the code DNVR when you're ordering from the farmhouse, you can get $5 off your order. Uh, why not? Why not do it? Uh, you can do it to go with the curbside or curbside pickup or you can get it delivered. Uh, yeah, use that beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website and it'll tell you where you can find whatever beer it is you want to try. Okay, uh, back into Mitch Rodrigue. So yeah, he was talking about how he's just taking a couple of years off. He, he was looking for the right opportunity. Um, he kind of had a peak of retirement and he was kind of hilarious about it. Um, very likable guy. He was talking about he, he, he got a boat and he was really excited to get the boat and he was learning how to like back the boat up, how to get the boat out of the water, you know, driving with the trailer, all stuff he'd never done before. And he said he was having the time of his life. And about three months later, he was like, eh, I'm kind of bored of it. And, you know, that's what you should be looking for in a football coach. Somebody who really wants to be coaching football. Uh, somebody who sees this Colorado job as a major opportunity, the biggest job he's had in his career, especially for somebody at his age. Uh, I actually don't know his age at the top of my head, but he's in his 50s, I believe. Um, you know, coming up from the South, he has that accent. Um, just, just the jokes. Everybody's covering their face when they see him coming. He's not sure if it's uh, because uh, they don't like him or if it's because of the coronavirus. Just, you know, the little stuff he can throw in there. Uh, some insights into what he is as a coach, though. And... I would say that we learned the most about the coaching philosophies of, of Rodrigue, um, yeah, compared to the other coaches we talked to. Um, I loved hearing about what he had to say about football. Um, you know, he said that in the past, these offensive linemen here at Colorado have been trained to block ver or horizontally 
you know, move side to side. Um, but that isn't what he likes to do. And that's kind of been a process. And he said, you know, a meeting today that we've, that we had, we were talking a lot about how we need to get upfield. We don't want to be fighting at the line of scrimmage. We want to be pushing these guys down the field because those are essentially just the, the free yards on the run. If, if you give the running back the ball and you're able to push the defensive line back two yards, there's no way you're, you're getting tackled for less than a two-yard gain. Whether the running back hits the right hole, whether he can make somebody miss, um, whether there's just a lane of space, that's all stuff that can happen after those two yards that turn it into a three-yard gain or a four-yard gain or a 15-yard gain. But you know you've got those two yards. Um, and he that was my takeaway. I kind of changed his words a little bit. But I like it. I like that aggressive nature and he, that's what he kind of kept harping on is that we want to be physical we want to be pushing them downfield we want to be angry we don't want to let the game come to us we are setting the point of attack really um like that he was talking about recruiting um we, I, I liked hearing about the type of offensive line prospect that he is interested in he isn't interested in the big guys uh, which is different than than what was happening here in the past. Um, at Colorado, th- there was this push, especially with Mel last year, and we've talked about this on the podcast as well, where the focus recruiting-wise was on finding guys who fit the mold physically and turning them into good football players. You know, if, if you have a guy who's, six seven and 330 pounds playing tackle he's not going to get pushed around by whoever you play you know if you go on some cinderella run and the buffs are in the college football playoff you at least have a chance to to fight against that defensive line but if you bring somebody in who you say hey he knows football but we've got to put the weight on him we got to see if we can get him up to size if you can't get him up to size there's really nothing he can do against elite competition that was the theory under Mel, um, and Chris Kapilovic, it seems, bought into that as well, the offensive line coach uh, who followed Mel to Michigan. And we'll get into that story in a second, too, because that's another great story that Mitch Rodrigue called. Oh, again, it's pronounced Rodrigue. He also goes by Coach Rod. So Rod, if it's just the shortened version, Rodrigue, if it's the long version. Now you know. Um, but what he was saying is that he is more interested in athleticism. He's looking for, he said, even tight ends who maybe aren't great route runners or maybe are too big to play tight end and, and be a threat in the passing game. And he wants to turn those guys into linemen, finding undersized defensive linemen and flipping them over um, because he really wants guys who can move, guys who can get upfield. Um, I think I, I like it. You know, I, I did really like what Mel had to say before. Like, we can teach them football. We can teach them how to be good football players. We just need them to definitely have the tools. Um, and I was really bought into that. But more than anything, I like a man with a plan. And Coach Rodriguez has one too, and he sold me on it. And uh, hopefully he'll sell you too when you listen in. He also, you know, I, I think I asked him, um, what really stood out, you know, or what has stood out in these first couple months with the team? You've gotten to see him on film. You've got to see him in meetings. And the first thing he said is the intelligence. 
Um, again, that's what you want to hear. You want guys who are coachable. Uh, do want to th- emphasize that point. Um, he also told the story of how he got this job, which was good because nobody had any idea how he got this job. Again, he, he's been coaching the Raging Cajuns, um, at least up until a couple years ago when he stopped coaching. He hadn't crossed over with anybody on this coaching staff at all. Nobody, not Carl Durrell, not Darren Cheverini, nobody. Um, so to come out of retirement to get a job over here when he's, I, I believe, exclusively coaching in the South, um, especially at this point in his career, you know, this was this was the head-scratching hire, you'll remember, um, back when all this happened. This was the one where if you were to rank, you know, who are you really excited about? You know, it's like Taylor Embry, good young tight end coach, son of a very good tight end coach, has been working in an offense very similar to Carl Durrell's that's emphasizing running. Uh, he's working with George Kittle, the best tight end in the NFL. So many pieces lining up for that to be a great hire. Meanwhile, you look at Rodrigue and you're like, huh, what is going on here? Um, because he, he doesn't have that sort of pedigree where it's easy to point at why you would want him to be here. You know, having spoken with him now, I see it. Uh, but here's the story he told about how he wound up with this job. Let's see. Um, do I have an age for him? 27 years of experience. He's 55. There it is. Okay. Um, but yeah, just listen to the places where he's coached before this nickel state, Southern Mississippi, uh, Pearl river community college in Mississippi, uh, nickel state again, uh, had three different titles with Southern Mississippi from 1999, 2007. Then he went to South Alabama, then Louisiana Lafayette, uh, and then uh, high school in Alabama is where he's coaching the last couple of years, um, but more casually, obviously it's high school, uh, where he's the offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator, and offensive line coach, and then he comes out to Colorado. So again, 55, working exclusively in the South, just to set up how wild all of this was. Here's what happened. Um, he crossed over with Jay Johnson, Jay Johnson, you remember, was the Buffs offensive coordinator last season, but then went to Michigan State and followed Mel. When Jay Johnson learned that he was going to be the Buffs offensive coordinator about a year ago, or I guess it'd be like a year and a half, but, you know, in the offseason before last season, he had reached out to Coach Rod and talked about potentially giving this job, potentially at least bringing him in for an interview to talk with people, and... It turns out Mel hired Chris Kapilovic as the offensive line coach before Coach Rod had a chance to like talk to anybody, before um, Jay had had a chance to like really pitch him. So skip ahead to this offseason. Jay Johnson realizes he's heading over to Michigan State with Mel, and he reaches out to Coach Rod about potential opening at Michigan State potentially going over there as an offensive line coach. And, you know, Coach Rod was interested, but then Chris Kapilovic ends up taking that job, opening up the Colorado job. At this point, Darren Cheverini has heard uh, Jay Johnson talk about Mitch Rodrigue enough that he's interested in an interview. Um, and so that's really what, how everything went down. Obviously, uh, Mitch did well in that interview 
and uh, got the job. And he said, you know, it's rare that you wind up with a job without knowing anybody. Typically, that's how you even get things going. Um, but yeah, really loved talking to him. Um, really loved it. Again, it's a guy who really wants to play real football, big, ugly football. I can't remember who said it now, but it was either him. I think, no, I think it was Taylor Embry who said, you know, watching this league, you, I have figured out how you win this league. If you run the football, you win the Pac-12. Um, and, and that's the mindset that he has. That seems to be the mindset that's kind of coming over this whole group, um, including uh, Mitch Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, now we're to the final coach, which is Danny Langford, the quarterback's coach. Um, and again, I had never met any of these people before. Uh, right. Well, I guess chef, there we go. We talking, of course, chef, but, uh, yeah. So again, first time meeting him. Um, he struggled the most with zoom, which surprised me. Um, but you know, if we're looking for some other notes here, there's one, um, what were the key points? The key points were talking about what this offense looks like. And he said, it depends on the quarterback. There are different packages for all of them. And it's going to be tough to implement all those quickly. And he was talking about the expedited quarterback competition. Um, because, you know, at least through the spring, he said, you typically have an idea of who you're giving the reps to. Um, you know, you have some sort of a depth chart, you have something to work off of as you go into this right now, there's nothing to work off of. And so it might be day one, uh, Tyler Lytle's number one quarterback, Sam Neuer's number two, and, uh, Brendan Lewis is number three. The next day they may totally flip that. The next day they may give Sam Neuer the first shot. You know, it's, it's just going to be totally different every day. They have some different strengths. Um, different weaknesses and he said that's kind of tough this quickly to build multiple offenses to fit their strengths that you can run with one when the season starts um, but that's just kind of the world we live in um, I asked him what he was what he would look for when recruiting a quarterback what are kind of the big traits again having just spoken to Mitch Rodriguez about that exact same thing and he had some interesting points. You know, he said, first of all, number one, you need accuracy. That is almost non-negotiable for him. Um, and after that, it's athleticism. Maybe not plus athleticism, though he said, you know, if you have four or five speed, that's obviously a big plus. What you need to have is escapability. You have to be able to make something out of nothing with your legs and you have to be able to put passes where they need to be. And he said he's, you know, his word, he, he's worked with a couple of statues before and they were able to make it work because they were so accurate. And you can get so good at that that it can make up for not having legs, but you can't really make up for not having legs or make up for not having that accuracy with your legs or with other things. Um, that's telling going into this quarterback battle um, because... Now we have at least some sort of idea what the position coach is looking for, and that's accuracy. The problem is I couldn't tell you which of those three quarterbacks is most accurate because we haven't seen them play. Um, that will be a question I'm going to be asking during camp. Um, which quarterback looked most accurate so far? And maybe that'll give us some hint. At least, I mean, the more of these little indicators we can find to follow along through the 
uh, camp battle, the better. That's how I'm looking at this um, because that's going to be how you get real information out. They aren't going to say, hey, we're we're thinking it's 70-30, it's going to be Brendan Lewis. No, one day there will be somebody with the job. Um, Until then, it'll feel random. So these little tidbits we can get are good. Um, Yeah, I think that that was the big stuff from him. Actually, right before he got off the call, uh, Dave Platty, who sets all this stuff up, he's, do I actually not know? I would guess if they call him like, I think like associate AD of sports information or something like that, whatever the highest title for sports information is. So, so he does that. And then he also like kind of oversees Curtis Snyder, who is like the football specific SID. He also does skiing and whatever else, um, that whole SID staff, I don't think I shout them out enough, but actually I don't have to shout them out because they were one of like, they call it like the super seven, super 12. It's no more than 12, but the football writers association names, um, their top 12. And I think they do it in no particular order. Um, sports information departments in all of college football and Colorado. I think this is like six of seven years that they've been included. So they're really good. They set this up. They're like managing everything. Um, we do not say how much we appreciate them enough, but, uh, yeah, he asked what, uh, or if anything, Danny Langsdorf learned while coaching in the CFL, because that's how he got his coaching start back in the, I think, I think, well, let's see. I, I have the page pulled up. Let's not guess. I think actually I do want to guess, see if I'm right. I'm going to say 1999 to 2001 but he said that he learned that the uh just just how you spread a defense out passing the ball you know he said like you don't have 100 yard rushers if you have a 100 yard rusher or if you run for 100 yards as a team you probably won that game because that's just how different the cfl is you know they punt on third down there so you only have two plays to pick up enough yards for first down so he said that that's what it was. You know, they're running the, sp- the spread. They're doing like the zone read, all that kind of stuff that didn't happen in the NFL until six years ago, maybe seven years ago. Um, think back. I think there was like a ringer article that was like, it, it might've been like the RPO is here to stay or like the next big innovation is the RPO. And that's the date that I chose, but I can't remember what day it is. So if you guys want to learn about RPOs, that was like the first real, I don't even know what you call it, good analysis of what is going on on the field when that's happening. Um, they talked to some people who were really crucial in vending it. He was there from 99 to 2001, so I'll flex on that real quick. But uh, yeah, he said that that's what it was, those spread concepts. Um, so we did get to get into his head a little bit as well. Um, really like them all. Really like them all. Um yeah, I think that's all I have to... Oh, he did talk about bringing Sam Neuer back. And and that's something, again, where if we had had media availabilities every day during March and April the way we expected, I guess second half of March and then all of April, we would have known this story before, but instead this has been one of the things that's kind of like, say, in the back of your head, like, what's going on with the Antonio Alfano suspension? You know, that kind of stuff that kind of just builds up over time. One of them is, why is Sam Neuer not transferring? And... Danny said that this is what happened. Essentially, he was going to transfer, was looking around, and he really 
wanted to give the spring semester a chance or Danny convinced him to give the spring a chance transfer in the summer. If you decide that's still the best idea, um, obviously spring football didn't happen. And so now he's going to try and fall camp. Um, he likes Boulder. There's some risk going other places and he has a shot to win this quarterback job. You know, he is the most experienced. Um, and that was kind of the messages come in, compete, see what you can do because he didn't say this, but if Sam were to transfer to another school and try to play quarterback, I, maybe he could get a group of five job or I don't know, but the, the odds are he would have to take an FCS job. And even that, like we just haven't seen him play. I don't know what he is as a quarterback. Um, and, and really the best case scenario is, if you want to be starter at a power five school, you actually might have an opportunity to do that at Colorado. And I think that that really is why he stuck around. It'll be, it'll be fun to see this quarterback competition. I wish again, like even in the spring, at least you have a spring game. So you get to like, see it, which would have been so nice to see what they actually look like on the field. But we do not have that opportunity and uh, we'll see what the fall even looks like with all the rules still to be implemented. Um, but yeah, he's going to be pretty big in deciding uh, who the Buffs quarterback is. So stick around for the full hour. You get to hear from him too. Um, I think that's going to do it for me today. Um, again, I'm just going to push the comments back because we're already at like close to 40 minutes and there's another hour of audio on the way. So yeah, we're going to push those back tomorrow at three o'clock. We got a call with the new defensive coaches. Um, so expect another show kind of like this tomorrow. And then Friday we'll hit the comments, hit the questions. Um, oh, but uh, before we get into the call, I want to uh, talk through our draft Kings pick of the week. Uh, we're going golf here for the first time. And I'm pretty excited. Um, here's what we're doing. We're going with Brooks Kepka, and here's why. Because as we return to golf uh, with the Charles Schwab Challenge, there's going to be a whole bunch of variability. So many different factors at play. Who's been able to golf the most? Uh, who hasn't been able to golf much at all? Who's staying in shape? Who isn't? And when there's this much uncertainty, I feel a lot better going after one of the big names, you know, because when you think of a guy like Brooks Kepka, who has the the resume that he has, you know, he's he's won the major tournaments, he's been the world number one, and you know, I I think that he fits this course fairly well. Um, and the reason I pick Kepka over a couple of other guys who I think are going to be maybe maybe they won't be right in it, but I think they have a good chance to be right in it down to the end, is that. People are kind of sleeping on him. You know, he has the 28 to 1 odds, best odds in the tournament. Uh, Rory McElroy is plus 750. Um, they hit John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, uh, Patrick Reed, uh, Dustin Johnson, uh, Webb Simpson. Then you get to Brooks Kepka. And, and that's really why I think that that's so enticing. It's because of the value here, really. Um, he's a better player than 28 to 1. And, you know, it could turn out to not be as weak. I do think that this is going to be one of the tougher tournaments to bet on. But 
I do think that it is going to be um, the type of tournament where you see somebody who has experience in the past going through adversity who's able to pull something together and win it in the end. Um, and I like Kepka's odds, and I think that he has just as good a shot as a John Rom or a Justin Thomas. But the odds don't say so, uh, and so that plus 2,800, that's a pretty good value. And if you want to get in on the action, then you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. I know that everybody here at DNVR is really enjoying it. And if you do sign up, you can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter the code DNVR when you sign up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And here is, I think, Dave Platty to kick it off. Whatever you want, and the coaches will join in periodically throughout the next hour. So, Jeff, take it away. Appreciate it, guys. How's it going, fellas? So, you know, it's been, it's been interesting, you know, <laughs> the last uh, last couple months, obviously, with the, the transition from Coach Tuck to Coach Durrell and, you know, me getting back in the, the play caller seat, you know, and having a new staff, new line coach, new quarterback coach, new tight end coach. Uh, we still got Hags, man. We still got the mayor. So it's always good to have the mayor around. But it's been good. You know, we've, we've done a lot of meetings, you know, What's crazy about using Zoom is you feel like you're working twice as hard when you're using Zoom, you know, um, just as an offensive staff, you know, as far as our our team staff meetings. But, um, you know, it's been good. We've had a lot of ch- a lot of time to, to meet as an offense, go over our installations, meet with our players. You know, we've been meeting with them since March. And so I'm excited to, to get back to doing some football. Um, so if anybody's got some individual questions, I would love to hear them. Hey Darren, it's uh, Brian Howell. I'll start off. I'll start off and uh, just ask you your impressions of the quarterbacks. I know you know Tyler. You've been on the field with him, uh, but your impressions of how those guys have uh, really picked up the offense and the, kind of the leadership they're showing, things like that. Well, the, the the good thing about the the quarterback room is you know we two of the three guys have been with me. Um, so they, they know the offensive terminology. They know the read progressions. They understand the protections that we're going to run. Um, and so I, I'm excited to see those guys compete. You know, obviously Lytle's been, you know, sitting behind Steven for a couple of years, and so has Sam Neuer. And then obviously you got the, you know, you got, you know, you know, Brendan Lewis coming in from Texas, who is a highly recruited kid, very talented. Um, and so I, I'm really excited to see those guys compete and see them, you know, execute. At the end of the day, you can know the offense, but you have to be able to execute the offense at a high level to be the starting quarterback at Colorado or anywhere else. And so I'm really I'm really looking forward to seeing those guys um, get into camp and, and, and see them, see how they re- respond to, uh, you know, to adversity and, and to handling, you know, the group. So it, it's, we're all looking forward to it. I know you guys are too. Darren, it's Rod Mackey. Um, Question about Carl Durrell leaning on you. I know when these new coaches come in, obviously 
they have a lot of questions for you because you've been there, done that, and it's it's more foreign to them. Are you seeing that a lot more with Coach Terrell just because, as you just pointed out, there's so much new and you guys aren't able to do all the things you've been able to do in the past? Yeah, you know, and, and me and you know me and Coach Terrell have a really good relationship. It's not like I just met Coach Terrell and I've been at CU, you know, for the last five years. It's it's more of like he, we know each other from our playing days, and even though I haven't, we've never coached together. I think there's a trust factor there, and so with me and Coach Terrell, we talk about a lot of things about the program, about recruiting. You know, things have changed a lot since he was, you know, in college football in 2007. So um, I think it's important that we're all on the same page. So we. Me and Coach Darrell have a lot of good conversations, and we talk about things, you know, daily. You know, he'll call me, I'll call him. When we're in the office, we'll sit down and talk about things. So I think it's been a good transition for him, considering everything that's been going on with this coronavirus situation and not really being able to have be hands-on with the team. Hey, Darren, it's Justin Guerrero uh, with Rivals. I was just wondering um, – as you kind of look down the barrel and, and, and figure out um, the vision you have for this offense heading into 2020, what relationship have you kind of been able to forge with Coach Langsdorf just as a, a former play caller uh, himself and just the perspective that he might be able to bring to the table? Just what kind of rapport have you guys been able to build and, and what has he kind of brought to the table just uh, on the note of uh, what this offense is going to look like for 2020? You know, me and, me and Danny hit it off right away. You know, when he first got hired, you know, we, we, we had many conversations talking about putting this offense together and, and what I thought we could, we, could, we could do just being around, you know, our personnel for the last five years. I kind of I know what this roster has, and I know, you know, what a lot of guys can and can't do. Um, I think that's important considering not having any spring football. Um, and so, you know, me and Danny have had a lot of, you know, candid conversations about the quarterback, you know, about offensive philosophy and where we want to take this thing. And uh, I think it's going to be a really good working relationship. I do. I mean, he's got a ton of history of calling plays and also coaching the quarterback position. And, uh, you know, I think what's good about Danny is we kind of balance each other out. I'm, I'm, I'm a very type A personality. I'm very passionate about, you know, what I do as a coach. You know, Danny's, you know, very much, the you know, he'll sit back and look at things and analyze things. So I think it's a good – you know, it's a it's a good mixture of personalities in that sense. So, um, you know, we're we're excited to to start doing some real football. You know, you can only do so many means. You know, you want to start practicing. So, uh, I, I do think it's a good relationship so far. Hey, Coach Adam Munster Tiger, just wanted to ask what, what you felt the main takeaways you had from calling plays in 2018 that you feel like is really going to help you as you're calling play, calling the plays again. Well, I, th- I think it's a combination of things. I think, you know, it's, just, it's, it's experience of going through those things, going through, you know, there's a lot of good things we did, and there's a lot of bad things we did in 2018. I think when you go back and you watch the film, sometimes when you're in the moment, you can't see everything at, the, at that certain point. But when you can step back after a season and watch film and see what issues we had, where we could be better, you know, in run game, in protection, help the quarterback with some RPOs and some certain situations, you know, and then at the end of the day, we, we got to make plays too. I mean, I think it's a it's a combination of call, of being a better play caller, and then we got to do a better job coaching them and getting them to play at a higher level. That's that's the key to winning football games. You know, we got to we got to cut down our, our mental mistakes, and we got to be able to execute in the fourth quarter. Where I think in eighteen we, we didn't do that a couple times. You know, specifically against Oregon State and Arizona in those two games that I can really recall. So. Um, you know, I, I, I think that experience is everything, just like for a player, just for a coach. So 
I'm looking forward to. The one thing you guys will know about me is I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't shy away from criticism, and I'm gonna keep keep fighting, and we're gonna be better this year. I know that. So. Last time. Have Neil Welk here. Okay. Chef, uh, how how much different? What what are we gonna see different in this offense than we've seen in the last couple of years? Uh, you know, I know you can't get into specifics, but what are some of the generalities that we're going to see that's going to say, hey, this is a different offense? You know, I truly believe that there's still going to be tempo. There's still going to be tempo involved in our offense. But I think you got to mix and match tempo, you know, going through 2018, what we went through, because there was games where, where, where people weren't stopping us at all. And then there was games where we struggled and we were off the field. I think you got to mix and match tempo. I do think we got to be better in the run game. In 2020, we have to be better running the football. And I think I have to incorporate more play action for us to be to help out the quarterback position. So, you know, I think I've, I've worked with different coordinators from, you know, Coach Kingsbury to Brian Lindgren to Jay Johnson to, you know, and I've also played in different systems. So, you know, I think just looking back on it, we have to be, you know, a little more balanced, I would say, run the football better and, and be better in the play action. And you still got to be able to, uh, tempo people, especially when they're struggling against tempo. So um, I, I'm excited um, to to really to really learn to really use the things that I learned in 2018 and 2020. Uh, Henry Chisholm here from DNVR. Uh, last time you were a play caller, uh, there were a lot of spread concepts, um, but now you know with Carl Durrell as head coach, at least back at UCLA, there was a lot of 12 personnel, like 22 personnel, that type of stuff. What's it like as a play caller when you're switching schemes or doing things differently? Does that is it is it tougher to manage that in the same way that it's tough for a quarterback to run a different system? No, I mean there's still going to be spread in our system. And if you guys look back on 2018, we ran a lot of 11 personnel. We really did. I mean, I think that's the misconception with with me is that well, Chef just wants to be in 10, not all you are in spread. And that's not that's not it at all. You know. Um, I think what's good about Coach Terrell's background and my background is, is he's done things in his past and, that have been really good, and I've done things in my past that are very good. I think, you know, you know, he named me the play caller for a reason, and, and he, you know, I think he wants, you know, to be to me to have my identity in the offense, but he also is going to have input, and that's, and that's fine. You know, I think, um, you know, he said that to me. He's like, you know, Chef, I want you to feel like you're, this is your offense, and, and, and we're going to, I want some input, but I want you to feel comfortable with what you're doing. And so, yeah, we'll have thoughts about that. We'll talk about 11 and 12, but you also have to have the personnel to run 12 personnel. You have to have the personnel to run 22 personnel, and we're still recruiting the tight end position. That's still a position that we're getting better. We signed two in Passarella and Fourier, and we're, we're recruiting hard in the 21 class to sign some top guys. But you have to have personnel to match the scheme that you want to run. Can't just be saying, hey, Let's run 12 personnel. Let's run 23. Well, are we built for that? You know? And so I, we've had a lot of constructive uh, conversation, me and Coach Sorrell, Coach Langsdorf, and, and our staff, and, and we will build it around our personnel. Who's our best players, and how can we be effective? You know, I think the thing I learned in 18, you know, LaVisca Chanel was our best player, and I built a lot of it around him. And when he was healthy, we were pretty good. And when he got hurt, we struggled. And so I need to do a better job of incorporating other good players in the scheme and building around all of them and not just, okay, a guy like LaVisca. Because I don't know if you guys remember the first six games, the dude was probably one of the best players in college football. And so, um, you know, I, I've learned from those experiences and I'll be better and, and we got to play better. 
all around. I think that's important too. Hey, Darren, Brian Howell again. Um, talked to Tyler Lytle earlier this spring about how many different quarterback coaches he's had, uh, but you mentioned all the different quarterback coaches you've had to work with and uh, offensive line coaches as well. I'm curious how the, the lack of continuity uh, kind of hurts you guys, but also uh, maybe what this situation has done to help build some continuity and some camaraderie among this offensive staff. You know, I definitely, you know, I definitely feel for the quarterbacks. I mean, that's always tough when you have when you have attrition and there's turnover. I think the good thing is that that I have been a constant for those guys, you know, and, and the terminology has been a constant for those guys. And so, you know, I think every coach is going to bring something, you know, something different to the table. That's just how football is. And, uh, you know, I think Coach Langsdorf is a really good communicator, and he, he's going to do a great job with that room. And I think overall – you know, having some some similar terminology for the quarterbacks and the running backs and the receivers and the tight ends and the O line, you know, that's going to be huge when we get to when we get to fall camp because it's not just learning a new system again. You know what I mean? A lot of these terms have been used over the last five years, and so there is going to be some retention in that in that sense. And we've had a lot. Of, we've we've been we've been meeting with these kids and we've we've done a lot of meeting time with them. So I feel I feel confident when we get the walkthroughs in July and when we get to fall camp. That these guys are going to be able to go out there and perform. Darren? Yeah, just as a follow-up to that, uh, Darren, how do you feel like uh, you as a staff have uh, gotten to know each other? Obviously, a lot of you guys, you and, and Peggs have been there for a while, but uh, do you feel like you've gotten to know these other guys pretty well? I do. I mean, we shoot. We I see them more than I see my wife on Zoom. I see them every day, and then – when we, were, when we were in the building, it's not much, but, you know, you're still, I, I think, just like you guys are doing your meetings over Zoom, I'm sure, and you're, and, you're, and you're working with your, you know, your fellow, you know, work people that you work with, I think Zoom brings you closer together. It's like FaceTime, right? So you're getting to know their personalities. You're getting to know what they like and what they don't like. But I, I really feel good about these guys, and, and uh, I feel good about where we're at. And I know Coach Terrell has said that in a couple – of press conferences, but I, I'm not panicked at all. I know we didn't have a spring ball, but I really do. I have a good feel for this offensive roster. I really do. And I know what people's strengths and people's weaknesses are, and we're going to build it that way. We're, we're going to build. we got to find out who our quarterback's going to be, and they're going to get a chance to compete. But I do know two of the three of them, and, and Brendan Lewis, I was heavily involved in his recruiting, and, and I feel good about our relationship as well. So it, it, I'm excited for, you know, to get out there and compete with, with everybody else. Hey, Darren, it's Rod again. Um, I want to ask you about the off-the-field stuff, obviously. Um, uh, the, the team was out, um, you know, uh, protesting and, and, and sending a message last week, and I saw, you know, you put some stuff out as well. Can you just kind of share your thoughts about, um, you know, how important this movement is? Yeah, I mean, there's no question. I mean, you know, what happened to George Floyd was disgusting. It was, you know, it, 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 it hurt. You know, I think all Americans to some extent, definitely I, I felt it and I was I was disgusted what I watched and, and I wanted to to not only support our players, but I wanted to let them know that that I'm here for them, that I'm not gonna, you know, stay quiet on this issue. You know, I grew up in this game and um, I grew up, you know, around a, a lot of black players and a lot of them are a lot of them are my best friends. And I think it was important for me to say something to show them that not only do I support them, but I, I believe in this. Like, it's right versus wrong. It's not it's not us versus, you know, cops, not us versus, 
you know, like other th- it's right versus wrong. And, and that's how I see it. And so, you know, if I could be there for them and, sh- and show them that I support them and that, that, you know, black lives matter, they do. And, and that, that I'm, I'm supporting that movement as well, that I think it's going to bring us all closer together. And, um, you know, I, like I said, I was proud of our team, you know, and, you know, my brother's also in the media. You know, my brother is a, is a, you know, he, he, you know, he runs a show called Windy City Live in Chicago. And Chicago has been, you know, decimated by the coronavirus. And it's a very diverse city. And there's a lot of protests, a lot of writing going on. His co-host is an African-American and Val Warner. And so we're both passionate about this, about this movement, about speaking up for social change. This is a, this is not about anything else but speaking up for social injustice and doing what's right in our society that that's all it's about it's not about being republican democrat independent socialist whatever your affiliation is this is about right versus wrong and and that's why i think you're seeing so many people speak up about this around the country this this ignited you know this movement and it and it, and it needs to be said that there are social injustices going on in this country daily that need to be dealt with and 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 i think if me if i'm speaking up for it and you know other coaches are speaking up for it and you know people that that work in as engineers or whatever real estate whatever it is different walks of life it's about right versus wrong that that's why i wanted to speak up thanks darren you're welcome i see taylor embry is now joining us darren any closing comments or any final question for uh, darren Want to say something nice about Taylor before you get off, Darren? Yeah, so Taylor, so I've known Taylor for years, you know, back when when he was a young sophomore receiver at UCLA, even before that, you know. And I remember when he was a ball boy and he'd run around and do stuff like that. So, you know, Taylor Embry is a, is a really good young coach. Um, you know, obviously played receiver. He's been coaching tight ends with his, with, with his dad, you know, John at the San Francisco 49ers. He's been an integral part of their success. He, he has a really, really bright future. I'm excited that he's on our staff. And, um, you know, I think you guys are going to find out quickly that he's, he's a really good young coach. And he's, he's going to be a really good young coach in this profession. So, Embo, you owe me some money for that one, man. Hey, I appreciate it. That's the help of the intro, man. I'll see you guys, man. I appreciate you. Thanks, Darren. All right, Taylor, uh, if you want to talk about your beard. Otherwise, we'll <laughs> How we doing? Good, Taylor. How are you doing? Show? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just we're in here in the apartment. You might hear my son in the background. He's wild right now. All right. So anybody has got the questions to start Taylor, please fire away. Hey, Taylor. It's Brian Howell from the Bullet Daily Camera. Uh, so first off, uh, you know, welcome uh, back to the room. want to ask you just kind of how you're feeling uh, you know, with your first kind of you know, big Power 5 job and getting the opportunity to be here uh, at Colorado and starting to work with these tight ends here. You know, for me, this was a, a unique opportunity. I told myself I wasn't going to leave uh, where I was with the San Francisco 49ers unless the perfect opportunity came along. And to me, this is as perfect as it gets. You know, I grew up a buff. Obviously, uh, you know, shoot, I knew the fight song since second grade. Um, obviously, my dad played here, uncle played here. So to me, this is a unique opportunity because this is home for me. 
you know, and there's a lot of uh, pride and a lot of tradition I'm familiar with with uh, CU. And, you know, it, it, there's not a place I'd rather start my coaching career than here. Hey, Taylor, this is uh, Justin Guerrero with Rivals.com. Nice to, to meet you, and thanks for doing this. Um, but just kind of curious, when you're out on the recruiting trail and, and you're talking to guys, 2021 guys, um, how much are you finding that, that the kids just resonate with your your NFL history? When you can uh, – you know, um, I think it, Oh, sorry. Uh, I mean, just like when – when you have your experience with, with George Kittle in particular, and you can kind of uh, sell that to a recruit and, and talk to a recruit, compare their, their films, like how helpful is that on the recruiting trail? You know, it is helpful. Um, you you kind of learn a lot about kids in terms of, you know, the, some kids just are picking places because they got the cool helmets or, you know, the, the old tradition. But what I've found is the kids that do their research – and they look up the coach and who they've been with. And those are the kids that I think it resonates more with because they they understand who they're working with and what they're trying to be. So I think it goes both ways. You know, sometimes, hey, they're like, man, George Kittle, and, you you know, you help develop and work with George Kittle. But some other kids, it, it doesn't really stick to them. They don't really matter. It doesn't matter so much. But usually it's the ones that do their homework. Um, and, and kind of understand that, you know, the tight end's a unique position. You got to be good at run game, pass game, and pass protection. And in my mind, you need to know and read the defense better than the quarterback does. So, uh, you know, it, it's one of those positions you want guys that are hungry to learn. You want guys that are eager to develop and understand that it's a process in developing. And usually those are the guys that kind of think it's, it's cool that you work with Kittle. Hey Taylor, Adam Munster Tiger from Twenty Four Seven Sports. Uh, obviously, you're bringing some bringing in some reinforcements with transfers, but wanted to kind of get your initial reaction when you saw the the depth or lack thereof at tight end, and then kind of second part of that. What are your impressions of the guys that you do inherit, especially uh, you know a Brady Russell? Well, I'll say this right now: if, if the, Brady Russell is one of those guys you want in your room and you need in your room. I'll say from a, the standpoint of he's a true competitor. He's a true leader, um, and I think he'll really come out of his shell this year uh, as a leader for the team. Um, but, you know, I'm happy with what i got. I think there's a bright future in Luke uh, Stilwell. Uh, I think he can be elite in the pass game, and he's hungry to learn the run game. Um, and then the guys obviously transferring in. Shoot, we, we got a bunch of kids transferring in, and they all got a chip on their shoulder. Uh and then I like our freshmen we got coming in, too. I think Lewis is going to be really good. He's a true why. He's all about football. And then I think Caleb uh, Fourier, when he gets healthy, you know, he'll be a weapon in the pass game. But kind of, you know, what we got in our room is we got true competitors. Um, and we, we got guys that want to win. And we got guys that are hungry to learn. Um, and I can work with that any day of the week. You know, especially where we're at, I think, you know, what we're going to be doing is we're setting a mindset of we're going to out tough the Pac-12, you know, and I'll say this right now, coming from the NFL, watching the Pac-12, you know, how you can win this conference is running the ball, getting after guys every single play. And, you know, I've been in a system where that's what we did for the last three years is just get after guys every play. And it starts with the tight end. And with me, it's a mindset. If you got the mindset, you're going to go out there and make them feel you every play. 
uh, we can go out there and we can set the tone for the offense. And I think that's kind of what we're going to be doing in our room. Hey, Taylor, Brian Howell again. Uh, I chatted with your dad uh, before the Super Bowl, and uh, he was telling me about when Coach Shanahan approached him about you going over to, to offense to work with him, and he was really excited about that. I'm curious what you thought about working with him and uh, kind of how much you tried to soak up as much as you could from your dad uh, to get ready yeah. for this experience. You know, obviously, not only because he's my dad, but you look at his resume, there, he, he's go greatest of all time uh, tight end coach. He's coached uh, two Mackey winners, a Hall of Famer. Right now, he's coaching the best player in the NFL in George Kittle. So, and on top of that, working with Kyle Shanahan, uh, working with his offense. Again, we had the, I think we had the best overall run offense in the league last year. Um, and just picking Kyle's brain now, he puts a lot of pressure on you, especially as a quality control, uh, which what what I did for him, man. And, but that pressure, he makes you learn the game from a whole. Um, and same with my dad. And that's kind of how I got uh, attracted to coaching tight ends. I had learned the run game and the protection so well that all of a sudden receiver, you know, it wasn't even a thing to me anymore. And I, I, and I started to learn and understand that the game's played inside the box. And, you know, working with my dad and Kyle, you know, those are the years that that will stick with me forever. And they both taught me things that will become the base for me as a coach the rest of my career. So one other thing that I, he told me, I asked him if he missed being a head coach. He said he did, but he does not miss recruiting. And he kind of laughed about that. Um, so I'm curious, like, what kind of – you know, this is your kind of first time recruiting. So what does he kind of talk, talk to you about recruiting aspect of this? And are you excited about that part? You know, I'm excited about it because I'm young. But now that I'm actually in the fire of this recruiting stuff, I get I get it. Well, shoot, once I get to a certain age, I know I won't want to be doing it either. But for me right now, I love it. Uh, you know, it's building relationships. At the end of the day, you know, recruiting's changed so much since my dad's even since he was the head coach here, you know, with social media and even just the mindset of kids nowadays, they think differently. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about building relationships, all about being honest with guys. And, you know, like I say, look, I can tell you right now, okay, there's not a coach in college football that will develop guys and prepare guys for the next level like I can. Um, and that's kind of what, that's what I'm telling guys. You know, I'm, I'm in this to kind of to develop guys and get them ready to play on Sundays. Taylor, it's Brian Olson from Nine News. Thanks for doing this. Um, uh-huh. Question about your your personality. When we talked to you last year, when you were here um, uh, coaching with your dad, um, and in, and the challenges that you have with doing these Zoom interviews with your with your crew with these kids, how are mm-hmm. you able to? Uh, show your personality during these these Zoom interviews with uh, some of the players that you probably haven't don't even know very well. You're talking about our guys, or yeah, you talking yeah, about yeah, your guys, your guys. Yeah, you know, and to me, it, it comes out. You know, I I like to keep things a little light when we first start the meeting. So you know, usually we'll start by someone tell a story, someone tell a joke. You know, I ask guys how their day was, how their weekend was. 
Um, but you really just, you got to be yourself. And, you know, for me, it's easy to do that. Um, and and those, I'll say this, the nice thing about the Zoom meetings, like you said, it's hard to kind of connect from a personality standpoint, but learning and teaching the X's and O's of football, this has been the best thing for that. And my guys have learned from, from the, from starting point, coverages, fronts, the weaknesses of everything, what we're trying to attack. So that part of it's been nice. Um, the part of it being digital, you just got to find a way to keep it light and make it fun as best as you can. Anything else for Taylor? So Taylor, we're kind of jumping around. Were you on your phone in the Titanic? You said what? You were kind of jumping around there. Were you on your phone or were you on the Titanic? No. Do, do, you want to know what I was doing? These people right here. <laughs> That's my family. I have my baby crying and my son yelling. <laughs> That's why I was moving around. So, but but I appreciate it, guys, and I can't wait to meet everyone in person. Yeah, I haven't seen you in person yet. I know it's been a while. I'm the same. So, all right. Anything else for Taylor? We'll let him go and got cut. Excuse me, got Coach Rosary gone. All right, thank you, guys. Welcome, Coach Rod. You're on mute. Hey, David, how you doing? Just living a good life. All right, awesome. We're waiting for you to come out to Benders. <laughs> All right, this offensive line, new offensive line coach, Mitch uh, Rodriguez, how he pronounces it, but he goes by Coach Rod. So, yeah. Uh, it should be one of the opening statements about coming to Colorado where you just take questions. The world is yours. Okay, guys, how are we doing? Good. Good. Good deal. So what's up? How can I help you? Um, I'm Henry Chisholm from DNVR. I'm just curious what your first impressions are, you know, getting to talk to your group in meetings, watch them on uh -huh. film. I mean, what's, what's just your immediate takeaway? Well, my, my immediate takeaway is that uh, I think the guys are very intelligent. Uh, I think that uh, all of them have a good uh, foundation of football uh, knowledge. I think that uh, they've been taught well. Uh, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, through the meetings that we've had, it's become obvious to me that, that uh they're, they're, they're bright kids and uh, you know as long as you're smart and as long as you can learn uh, I mean I think that, that I, at the end of the day you know that, that makes coaching a lot easier Hey Coach Rod this is Adam Munster Tiger from 24-7 Sports what was yeah. it about the, Hi what was it about this opportunity in Boulder that made you want to get back in the college coaching ranks? Well you know Adam I've, I've always wanted to get back into college coach and I've had some opportunities over the last couple of years it, it just wasn't right for me uh, I'll be honest with you you know uh, I've, I've been a part of some good teams I've never been a part of a team at this level at a power five level it's always been an aspiration of mine uh, I think uh, I think if you're a good coach you're a good coach at all levels because good coaches are good teachers and uh, I think I'm a really good teacher and uh, and I relate to kids well. But to answer your question, um, you know, I, I was basically on vacation for two years. I bought a boat, bought an RV, 
I learned how to fish. I never had a boat before. I learned how to back it up and pull it, pull it up and get it out of the water, put it in the water. And those things were fun, but I got really bored after about, <laughs> after about three months. And uh, I've prayed. I've prayed for this opportunity, you know, to get back into college football. Uh, but I've prayed to be in football with people I enjoy being with. And uh, I wanted to work with somebody that I respected. Uh, I hadn't known Coach Durrell for very long. Uh, but in the, little, in the short time that I've gotten to know him, I've learned that he's, he's a lot like me. He's, a, he's, he's, uh, he's about kids. And I think that if you're about kids and you're for kids and you, you want the best for kids, I think that they read into that. And I think that at the end of the day, they'll run through a wall for you. And uh, that's what I'm here for. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here for the kids. I enjoy being around them. I enjoy coaching them. Coaching is like a chess game for me. Uh, it keeps me uh, on, on my toes, and I, and I enjoy it. But at the end of the day, it, it's it's all about having genuine concern and and compassion for guys, and hoping and praying that you can make them become better men at the end of the day. Hey, coach, it's Justin Guerrero here from uh, Rivals.com. Thanks for your time in advance. Um, but just getting hey, back Justin. to your hello. Um, just getting back to your your room, and I know you mentioned just the the intelligence of those guys, and just right off the bat, kind of being able to get a good gauge for that. But what's kind of the the flip side of the coin there? Where in, within your room can can your guys continue to grow, and, and if anything, and in, in what yeah. areas? Yeah, well, you know that that's hard to say it, 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 right now because I hadn't had an opportunity to to be with them on the field as as uh, like I. Sh- would have been if if all of this stuff hadn't come into come into play. But you know, I have seen them move around, and I have seen them uh, run and, and things like that. They're very athletic. I've gone back. I've watched a lot of tape. I've watched every single one of them, even though they're they may be a junior. I went back and watched all of them in high school, and uh, I've watched them in games if they if they participated in the last couple of years. But I would say that. The number one thing that I know that that's going to be an obstacle for me is is just you know there's there's different philosophies of, of line play and and what I've noticed you know everybody does things in a different way some people uh, not to say one thing is better than the other but I I believe what I believe and one thing that I think that we can improve upon is just. And we had this obviously we had this conversation. I had this conversation today with the kids. You know, as I watch plays and I watch uh, film, it takes a heck of a long time for our guys. There's, there's so many steps that they take before they cross the line of scrimmage. And I'm a type of offensive lineman that I'm not going to be a finesse guy. We're not going to be at the offensive line and catch people and just move them laterally. I want to displace people vertically. And and in order to do that, you got to come off the ball. You got to take a couple of steps and you have got to cross the line of scrimmage. You want to meet the defense on their side of the ball. We not not vice versa. And I think that they've been a type of they've been the type of offensive line in the last couple of coaches that they've had that they're a little apprehensive at the line of scrimmage. Uh, And I don't know if that makes sense to you guys or not, but as you watch film, there's certain ways to block 
plays, obviously. Everybody skins a cat in a, in a different manner. Uh, I would like to be the guy that imposes their will on a person and not the opposite, if that makes sense to you. Uh, we, we, we seem to sit at the line. For example, in protections, uh, you know, my philosophy is to create a, a really strong pocket, a firm pocket, something that the quarterback could step up into. Well, you know, in, in the last few years of college football, it seems like everybody wants the vertical set. Uh, in other words, that means just setting straight back off the line like a defensive back may get into a back pedal. And that's what they've kind of been doing. And, and, and that's not me. We, we're going to establish a line of scrimmage on in run and, and in pass. And uh, so that's going to be something I think that that's going to take some time because as we went through some drills uh, when, we, when I first got here a, few, a couple of months ago, it became very evident to me that I have a lot of teaching to do as far as tempo off the ball or in protections, setting people on the line uh, because they've been, they've been used to doing something else, which is not me. Hey, Coach, this is Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera. Welcome uh, to see you, and I look forward to seeing you in person at some point. Yes, sir. How you doing, Brian? I'm good. I, I have a couple questions for you. Um, I don't believe you've ever worked with anybody on this staff before, no. but I know no. you've worked with uh, Jay Johnson, yes. the former offensive coordinator here. I'm curious, did that connection have anything to do with you coming here? And then my other question is, you've been in the South your whole career. Uh, how has it been uh, being up here in Boulder? Well, to, to answer your first question first, yes, Jay and I are, are very close. Uh, we're, we're, we're good friends. And, uh, you know, I guess to answer your question, we would have to go back a couple of years. Initially, uh, you know, Jay had contacted me about coming to Colorado with him uh, a year ago, or I guess two years ago. And uh, before I could... Uh, get on the plane to, to come here, he had already hired, uh, the head coach had already hired someone else. So Jay didn't get an opportunity to have much say-so in that decision. And uh, and listen, that, that's not a knock on Cap. I love Cap. Cap, when I was, uh, when Cap, <laughs> that's going to show my age a little bit, but when I was at Southern Miss, you know, Cap used to come spend time with me and watch me when he was, I think he was at uh, Missouri State or, or some school in Missouri, but uh, he would come spend weeks at a time with me and watch me through camp, and we had a lot of the same uh, ideas. And uh, so Cap's a really good football coach. Uh, I've been around him and both Jay, but that's kind of how things transpired this this second go around. You know, when Jay Jay knew that he was going to Michigan State, thought that uh, Cap might have an opportunity to stay here and may want to stay here. So Jay again called me uh, with uh, maybe a, an opportunity to go to Michigan State. Well, you know, here Cap decides he's going to go, which left an opportunity here. And I guess uh, I guess Coach Shev had heard enough about me through Jay that uh, he was intrigued and, and at least wanted to bring me in and and talk to me and uh so so yeah that was different you know i you know usually in this profession you don't get interviews you know you pretty much know people and uh but i was brought in on an interview and uh, spend a whole day here with with the whole staff and uh so things worked out for me you know uh 
not with Jay, but but with another staff, and and so uh, so I'm very happy uh, to answer your uh, second question about Colorado. Well, you know, it, it, it is different. I tell you, there's a couple of things that really strike me uh, right off the bat. And number one is you can go walk. You know, I walk every every day, and you don't sweat. I really like that. <laughs> okay, it, it is hot, seemingly hot, but you don't sweat for some reason, and uh, so I like that. Okay, I've, I've I've gotten used to the to elevate to the elevation, and I don't breathe as hard as I did two months ago, uh, so that's good. Uh, I do, and I don't know if it's a sign of the times that we're living in right now, or it's just because uh, people are scared of this uh, big coonass you know, coming up the street, but it seems like when I do walk, they, they walk on the other side of the street and they coat and they cover their face up. So I don't know if it's, if it's because of this COVID stuff or they're just scared of me, but uh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's been really good. Uh, My wife and I have have loved the, uh, the, the time that we spent here. Uh, You know, we've made a, we've made a commitment to try to experience a lot of the different things that are here that we, we, you know, you don't have an opportunity to do those things in the in the South. I would like to hike. I would like to go see the mountains and hike. I'd like to go to the state park and see what that's all about. But uh, but overall, it's been a, a positive uh, move for sure. I go to Justin Guerrero once more. Um, just hey, kind Justin. of looking, just was kind of curious, just in terms of a recruiting philosophy, just any kind of thought uh-huh. on that front and. When you're watching a kid's film, evaluating a player, and then issuing an offer, what uh-huh. are you what are you looking for? What sticks out, and kind of what leads to an offer yeah. from? from yeah. Well, I tell you, I I, I have been uh, very successful at, at I think over the last thirty years picking offensive linemen. I've never had an opportunity to be in a power power five school, but uh, as David will tell you, you know, I've I've had at least four guys playing Super Bowls already. Right, so I must be doing something correct. But uh, I like athleticism. I mean, number one. I mean, I'm going to find a defensive end that is tall and rangy and maybe not as twitchy as an offensive lineman, and uh, we're going to recruit him and make him an offensive lineman. I'm going to find a tight end that's probably a little bit too big for the position, but he blocks well, but he doesn't run, run the routes as, as maybe as uh, refined as some other tight ends that we would like to have. And I'm going to make him an offensive lineman. I'm going to find undersized defensive linemen uh, that uh, are tall and rangy. Uh, but but the key is athleticism. It, it, you know, if you sign a, a fat guy that looks like me, then then you're going to get a fat guy. All right, he he's going to be slow and and he's not going to be able to move. Okay, but if you sign athletic guys, more than not, you you'll wind up with a really Good athletic offensive lineman at some point if you if they if they're committed to the to the weight room. Uh, now, as far as getting those types of guys, you know, I've always found that that uh, honesty is the best policy. You know, I'm I'm old school. I'm not, I'm not into the social media as much as uh, all the other coaches are, and and maybe I'm behind the eight ball a little bit on that. But I've always found that uh, you know genuine conversation. Uh, talking to mamas and daddies and uh, being honest is always really good. I think that uh, I've always found it to, to be my philosophy that uh, 
you create a relationship that is so strong, a bond that is so strong with a kid that at the very end, he's, he, he just doesn't want to tell you no. And uh, that's always kind of been uh, really good for me. Anything else for Coach Rod? All right, Coach, thanks. All right, good. Well, I appreciate it. We should say that no uh, cats were harmed during the course of this interview. (laughs) Well, good deal. I appreciate all of you guys' time, and and I'm sure that we're going to all meet each other at some point and uh, appreciate everything you do for the university. Great. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. We're waiting for Danny Langsdorf to jump on here in a few. I just sent him another email, so uh, give it a couple minutes, and we able to wrap this up okay it's me again we're gonna cut out the dead air right here between uh coach rodrigue and coach langford uh but yeah uh how dope is mitch rodrigue really can't emphasize enough and the other guys too i i don't know i'm really excited for this coaching staff um i'm also really excited just for this football season but you heard enough from me back to the next speaker who is it oh yeah Coach Langsford. Hold on one second. Sure. I want to come on sometime as Sam Wheat and see if anybody figures that out. <laughs> From Ghost? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to find this privacy setting in the camera. Curtis, you're an expert at this. Uh, hold on, hold on. You have no idea. There's that box in the lower left that says up and start video. I think you just click on that. Yeah, he's a Zoom expert. Come on, Langsdorf, let's go. (laughs) There you are. That work. That work. Huh? All right. Okay. Well, back to Coach Danny Langsdorf. So, uh, Dan, if you want to make any kind of opening statement about how you like being here in Colorado, and then we'll take questions. Okay. That's great. I've really enjoyed uh, Boulder the short time I've been here. It's uh, it's great. I've been in the Flatirons and through campus and as much in my office as, as they'll allow me to. But, uh, I'm really, I'm really like, I got to figure out where to eat. That's, that's my one issue is I don't know where to go to eat yet, but, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed the outdoor, uh, scene here in Boulder. It's been great. No one's turned you on to pasta J's yet. <laughs> you know, I do. I've heard about it. I haven't been there yet. And I, I, uh, I gotta, I gotta venture down to that, that Pearl street area. I've been to a, a taco joint that I think it's called taco or something like that or Tiaco or whatever, but uh, I did like that one. That was good. All right, guys, fire away at Coach Dan. Hey, Coach, it's uh, Brian Howell for the Bullet Daily Camera. Um, I, I was just curious, your first impression, uh, without being on the field with your quarterbacks, your first impression of, uh, of those guys so far? You know, that's a good question. I haven't um, hardly seen them on the field, but boy, I've spent a lot of time with these guys with these meetings, and I've been really impressed with 
the questions and the interaction that we've had as a group. Um, I think we've had so much time together, you know, kind of going through cut-ups and going through playbook and talking fundamentals and, and having an opportunity to show them a lot of different stuff. I think it's really uh, spurred some good conversation. So I've liked that about the group. Um, you know, mental, the mental aspect, I guess, probably more than anything physically, you know, we, we've got a little ways to go. I don't, I don't know what to think yet. Um, because I haven't seen them work out much, you know, we've been so limited that way, uh, with them being gone that that will be interesting, uh, to get up to speed with. I'm anxious for that, but I have, I have, uh, appreciated the effort and, and the interaction we've had as a group. Hey, Coach, Adam Tiger from 24-7 Sports. I want to ask you about Sam Neuer. He was in the transfer portal when you got hired at CU. What was the process like of him deciding to return and rejoining that, that quarterback's group? Well, you know, I, I had uh, recruited uh, Sam at Nebraska a little bit when he was in high school, Beaverton. So I knew about Sam. Uh, I know his brother being with him at Oregon. Um, we had a good conversation. I said, why don't you give this thing a, a whirl? You know, we don't, we don't have any, any set, uh, depth. We've got a wide open competition. And I said that, that grass isn't always greener. I, I was a part of a transfer myself. And, you know, I, I just, we just talked about, I asked him if he liked it here. And, and it's not always, you know, sometimes those kids think it's just going to be way better somewhere else. And so I, I kind of gave him, a little bit of advice and said, why don't you, why don't you go through spring and see how it goes? Well, then I'll, <laughs> that turns into summer. Uh, but you know, I do think he, uh, he wanted to stay, he wanted to compete and we just had a good conversation about it. And I think, I think that he was comfortable knowing me a little bit, uh, from our past. Hey Danny, this is Neil Welch here from Subus.com. Uh, a quick question about about your quarterbacks. There, there's a lot of different skill sets there with those three guys, and each guy has a strength. Maybe will you tweak the offense a little bit to fit what each of those guys can do, or what what your starter will do in the end? Absolutely, I think that's a key. You know, if you're trying to put a square square peg in a round hole, you know, you, you're going to have issues, and and you, we've got to figure out what that is. You know, there, there's going to be some things schematically system wise that we'll want to do with all of them but um you know we don't want to get into a situation where we're trying to do something and a guy is really struggling with that that's not really fair to him or our team so we will definitely um tailor it and and cater to the to the starter um you know it's tough to have two or three different totally different offenses so you you do have to have some carryover but um we'll have a lot of stuff for the starter and we'll have a backup plan with a, with a package for him too, you know, as we go and, and, and I'm not sure how this will play out, but if, if they're all good enough to play, then we'll have a package for each of them and see what happens from there and see which is the best. But um, we will definitely, we'll definitely work towards having um, a system that will, will be quarterback friendly. Hey, Danny, this is Justin Guerrero from Rivals.com. Nice uh, to meet you, and thanks for, for doing this. But just wondering, um, just in terms of, of, of gelling, of rapport, just with Coach Shev and just what you're trying to, to bring to the table on your end in terms of uh, input and perspective on how this alpha offense could be designed. Uh, how's it been thus far just uh, working with Coach Cheverini? 
Yeah, we've we've been we've had a, a really good conversations. Really enjoyed it. A uh, lot of similar thoughts, and then some different backgrounds um, with each other. So so we're able to kind of mesh the two and talk through some things. Um, you know, I've I've had a chance to look back at some of the things he's done in his history, and I'll show him some things that that I thought have been successful, and we've we've you know talked through those and tried to implement um, what we think will work best for our guys. So that that's kind of the fun part of um, being a new staff. I've always enjoyed you. You get a little bit of an idea of, of you know, philosophy wise or what a guy ha- has had success with in the past. And you try, you know, you try to use some of those things and, and then bring some of your ideas to the table and you kind of put it all together and, and hope it sticks. So I, I, I do enjoy that a lot of, of this uh, process. I think it's kind of an exciting time. Hi, Danny. Uh, I'm Henry Chisholm. I'm with DNVR. Uh, when you have a quarterback competition, but no spring practice, how much tougher is it? And what do you really lose not having the extra couple months on the field? Yeah, it's a bad deal. Um, you know, I would say it's, it's a, it's a big disadvantage. You know, you're trying to, you'd like to, um, be able to go through 15 practices in the spring and have a pretty good idea of your, of your depth and your, your, uh, you know, your, your chart that you're going to have, how you're going to rep guys, you know, all those things. Uh, and we're in a, we're already in a shortened uh, situation and then not knowing what's going uh, or what's coming ahead, you know, if they start shortening seasons down and all that, it makes it very difficult. So we're going to have to, in a short amount of time, you know, figure it out. We're going to have to stress them. We're going to have to test them and, and see who can handle it. And, um, you know, it might be a deal where we have to we have to rotate a little bit and just kind of figure out by day um, by putting guys in different situations and putting a guy as a, as a one and a two and a three and switching it up and see how they respond. So it will be it'll be very important on our offense to figure out uh, the starter and and, um, you know, making sure that he's going to be ready to play in the opener. Hey, Danny, just kind of right on that note of of challenges, um, just what challenges have have you faced just on the recruiting trail? I mean, just in terms of not having a full kind of cycle to forge relationships with these kids, their parents and all that stuff. And just how have you uh, tried to kind of alleviate the the challenges in terms of time frame? Yeah, I feel like we've caught up, but um, we definitely, you know, everybody kind of to a T says, yeah, I'd like to see the place, you know, I'd like to. I think the advantage for uh, some of these kids that have committed is they have been on the campus. They've been to a game. They've been uh, able to meet the staff in person, see the facilities. You know, there's. I think we were at a pretty big disadvantage in that sense because, you know, even the guys we're talking to, it, it's kind of the same thing. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Um, you know, I, I, I think some guys aren't real comfortable making a decision until they do you know, meet you face to face and, and see the campus. And, you know, with, with the delays on that, it, that's made that very difficult. You, you can do your best on zoom and FaceTime and forge that relationship best you can. And, and we're doing that. But, um, I do think there's been a little bit of a disadvantage in terms of having a guy on campus and, and especially on the official visit. Hey, Danny, it's Brian Howell again, uh, you know, talking to with Tyler and, 
and uh, Sam in the past. I know you're the fourth quarterback coach they've had in their careers at CU, and uh, they they both talked about how they've soaked up different knowledge. But I'm curious how you kind of take what they've learned and try to adapt it to your philosophy, or how much are they supposed to adapt to you? Well, I think um, you know I'm I'm trying to teach them a system, um, but there's definitely things that they have gotten. Uh, from their from their past coaches that that they can draw from I think that's good those are good experiences it's the same thing uh, that I've been able to draw from my experiences and, and teach a little different and coach a certain way you know I said I think that's all good I don't think um, I've ever been one to uh, be overly rigid on on how I, you know I, I'm going to have some definite things uh, details that I that I need and that we want uh, that are specific to the position, but um, I'm open to different ideas. Uh, I've got I've got some pretty strong opinions on footwork uh, and timing, but um, you know if, if they're playing with good effort, uh, I think the fundamentals can always be worked on. And, and there's always a different style with people fundamentally, um, you know. So I'm not you know I'm not going to go in and, and and change a a seniors you know. Re, re, revamp his throwing motion or, or some kind of crazy thing like that but we will definitely try to improve and tweak and and um, help these guys be better and and um, be uh, open to the different ways they've learned and been taught so I think that's just a part of teaching and being a, a good coach is kind of adapting to what they know and then you know how I can help them be better we just got oh Sorry, go ahead, Terry. Okay, uh, we just got done talking with uh, Coach Rodrigue, and he was explaining when he's recruiting offensive linemen, he's looking for athleticism, even guys who are like changing positions. That was kind of his point of emphasis. When you're recruiting quarterbacks, what are the traits that you are really looking for in a quarterback? Well, I think I think I really uh, put a lot of emphasis on being accurate. You know, I think if you're if you're spraying balls all over the place, it makes it hard as a thrower. Um, so I, I think they they need to be accurate. Um, I believe that they need to have enough athletic ability where you know they can get themselves out of trouble. It, it's I think you need to be a good thrower, and you need to have that element of escapability. I've had a few statues in my past, and um, they were exceptional throwers, and that allowed them to be good players i think as you know as the game uh, continues to progress and and a little bit more in the quarterback run game you'd like to have a guy that can move around i think that's a definite advantage i think it's harder to uh pressure those guys you know in terms of defensively being able to you know tee off on a on a guy that's just standing in the in the the pocket but um they also don't have to be you know a, a guy that runs a four or five is definitely a bonus but um, I think we're looking for an accurate thrower first that's got enough arm and enough, uh, you know, enough arm strength and enough escapability that uh, that can help us out. Those are, those are, you know, probably the the biggest elements I'm looking for is is um, accuracy, being able to make throws, and then have enough movement. Hey Danny, this team obviously goes from a three-year starter quarterback to you know, almost no experience of position. I'm sure you'd rather have some, but what do you like about having a group that's that's totally inexperienced and has a lot to prove? Yeah, I think they're hungry. You know, I, I do think that um, obviously if you had to choose, you'd take a three-year starter. But um, 
you know, these guys are hungry. They're willing to learn. They haven't played much. There's going to be heavy competition um, within the group. So I think that that's, that's really good. I don't think you have a guy that um, is, is just the starter and everybody else is kind of waiting in the wings. You've got a, a wide open competition. And I think, I think that's going to make these guys perform better. They're going to have to, they're going to have to bring their best every day um, to be able to, to show us that they're, they're, they're good enough to, to win the job. So I, I, I do think that competition will make this group much better. And, and we've got to do that in a hurry uh, to get our group going. Anybody else have something for coach? Then I'll throw the last one at you. Um, I've never seen many coaches in college with CFL experience. Is there anything from Canadian ball that you still apply? Or are you working to the game plans? Uh, oh, it's, it's the greatest job I've ever had. I, uh, I really enjoyed that. You know, and that was early on in my career. And I think that was great for, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, late nineties, early 2000. And when, and we were, we were running spread, you know, we're running zone read and spread and, and play, you know, obviously playing with, with 12s a little different, but we were in spread sets quite a bit, whether we were four by ones or, or three by twos, you know, we had uh, a lot of spread sets that I think that uh, it, it, it gave me an element of, of spreading the field and, and understanding spacing and things in the passing game that's been very valuable. Um, you know, if you run for 100 yards in that league, if you run for 100 yards in a game, you're probably winning the winning the game. So, um, you know, I think I think just that experience with the with the different style and the, and the amount of throwing that you have to do in that league has, has helped me throughout my career. Anything else, guys? Joining us, and uh, we'll obviously reconvene whenever we can next time we're allowed to. Okay, thanks for having me. All right, guys. We'll uh, pick this up tomorrow at 3 o'clock with the defensive staff. So in the interim, fire off any questions either me or Curtis you might have on email. Curtis, you have anything? I'm good. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you doing this. Yeah. All right, see you guys tomorrow. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the last. Yeah. My Colorado swag 
back in the middle of the ring. Throwing blows, knocking down team after team. They like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever seen a ram? Nine bow to Colorado. Buffalo is what I am. All the teams come and follow. When I start, hit the field. The opposing crowd swallow. Cause they know I'm about to kill. He gon' feel that tomorrow. Whole team full of warriors. Got me feeling tribal. Big 12, here we come. We ain't worried about arrival. If you want it, come and get it. We'll wait for your arrival. When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival. Why you make it, why you make it? Yeah, you better bring your Bible. Crack back, blind side, flat line, no revival. Get them bucks, get them bucks. Mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it, play.